about going to Israel and Jerusalem and such like that. Just wait. It's coming. But first, I need to show off my socks and I have to step behind the table because... Yeah, this is the closest I could come to red. I know it's pink. It's not faded. It's pink. It was bought pink. It's still pink. Kathy wouldn't let me wear the red T-shirt I have. She threw a fashion flag on me and said, nope, that's not going out. It's the truth. If you are here with us online, now's a good time to run, grab something that you can use, some juice, some coffee, some milk, a cookie, a biscuit, uh, whatever, so that you can participate in a few minutes in the Lord's Supper, which we have set before us here today. So take off, grab that, and come right back because we're going to have a great time asking the question again. This is the last Sunday. Eight Sundays in a row we've been asking the question, watching the movie, the television series called The Chosen, and we've been asking the question, what does it mean to be chosen? And today the answer is going to be this. What does it mean to be chosen? It means you are carried. So what, what do we mean by carried? And what we mean is this. If you are a Jesus follower... Or if you'll let me use this term about you. Many people are uncomfortable, but this is the term the Bible uses about you. If you're a Jesus follower, just that simple, you are a mathetes, a disciple. Making disciples, mathetuo, that's the Greek word. It just means I'm a disciple. You, that's what you are. You're a follower of Jesus. So what does it mean to be carried followers of Jesus? What that means is that Jesus is doing the heavy lifting. That, uh, to get at it today, the question I want you to think about as we explore is, who's doing the heavy lifting? So in uh, the life of being a Jesus follower, you have a part to play, right? I have my part, of course. We each have our part to play. There's my part, there's your part, but God has the big part. And that's what we're saying. We're saying that the heavy lifting gets done by God. And you and I simply respond. It's not simple. It's clear, but it's not simple. We clearly respond. Jesus says, follow me, and we start following. He's doing all the work. He takes up residence inside us. And there we enter into this idea about the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. So Jesus Christ, creator of the universe, is present through God the Spirit and taking up residence in us. He's the one that does the heavy lifting to change us into the people he wants us to be. He carries us. That's what's going on. That's what we're exploring today. And we just want to keep asking the question, who is going to do the heavy lifting in your life and in the life of the person we're about to observe? So let me set up the story I'm going to read for you. We're going to read a story in John's Gospel, chapter 4, about Jesus doing heavy lifting in the life of a very broken person. This, this person is in a, city, in a place called Samaria. Kathy mentioned it already. I didn't know she was going to do that. She said, Jesus says, be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria. So Jerusalem is here. Judea is the surrounding area. Samaria is a little bit further north. Here's what you need to know about Samaria. Samaria is a place where sort of the first cousins of the Jews lived. And for complicated reasons, Samaritans and Jews loathed each other. They're, they're really close, ethnically, religiously, and everything else, but they just, they literally hate each other, despise each other. Sort of like Montgomery versus Washington, D.C. <laughs> I mean, go back 150 years to the Civil War. That's what's going on. Close, and yet, ugh. So the first thing is, is we're going to have see an encounter of a woman 
who is in Samaria, and she is a Samaritan. Second thing we need to realize is Jesus and his troop, his disciples, it's boys and girls, by the way. There's a, there are people more than, it's just more than 12 guys. So they are making their way from Jerusalem, which is south, all the way back up home to the Sea of Galilee. It's probably 90, 100 miles by the crow. It's three, four, five days of walking. They could walk pretty good. They were in good shape. You and I wouldn't want to walk 100 miles. You wouldn't want to walk from here to, to, to um, New Smyrna Beach, would you? No, but they do it regularly. Okay, so they're going to walk this way, but here's the important thing. It, some Jews who were heading back home to Galilee, north, would go way around to the east into a valley, the Jordan River Valley. How long did it take me to talk about Israel? So now I know about the valley. We know about the valley. So it's hill country, and you don't go in hills because it's harder to walk in the hills, but it was much shorter, and there was a little bit of a valley, but they wouldn't go around because they hated them. So they go straight. That's the first thing. That's the second thing you need to know. They hate each other, and they're going straight. And there's the third thing that's really important. Jewish men don't talk to women in public. And they certainly don't have one-on-ones with women in public. And they certainly, Jewish men, would never, ever talk to a Samaritan woman. So we got all this tension going on in this story. John chapter 4, for Jesus meeting this woman at a well. Here we go. You can open your Bible if you have one with you, if you have your device, but we also have it here for you up on the screen. He had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews don't associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is... You've had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you, you, you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. 
Woman, Jesus replied to her, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Let's bring it to life. Watch the way the sacred imaginations of the writers in the TV series Chosen have portrayed what we just read in John chapter 4. Give me a drink. Did you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman. I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come out new in the heat, as you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I, I'd still like a drink of water if, if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would. Except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Long story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water. Hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know Jacob. 
and everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah. Exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here. That it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you? Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me. I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. You may have noticed Jesus would have been a pretty good trial lawyer. <laughs> he never asked any questions he didn't already know the answer to. <laughs> burden, heavy burden. The yoke that she bore the jars of water. Don't let the artistry of that pass you by. She carries this. Why is she carrying the water? And why is she doing it in the middle of the day? The first reason is the women carry the water. Guess what else we learned in Israel? That the women carry the water. It doesn't seem fair. It's not fair. We wouldn't put up with it today. But women got up early in the morning and went to the well of the spring, loaded it up on something that looked like a yoke, uh, as you saw, heavy, and marched it back to their homes. That's how people got water in their houses. And there she is. And you, what I want us to get is the shock, the shock of what people saw and heard when they first encountered this story. It happens, 
and it's, it shocks everybody there. She was stunned that he would even talk to her. But later on, when Christian shared this story, it's just a shock. He said, I'm here to break down those barriers. Did you hear him say that? She said, none of them will be seen with me, meaning the other women. That's why she came in the heat of the day, because she was shamed, isolated, left out, and she was broken. She had struggled to be a married person. She was without a sense of family. And I think the, the deepest hurt for her, no hope. This woman has no hope in life. And Jesus reveals himself to her. Just reminding you, we call Jesus, Jesus Christ, as if that was his last name. But it's not. Christ, I've said this to you before, I ha I'm happy to repeat myself. Christ is a Greek word, Christos. And it's just the simple way you take the Hebrew word Meshiach and put it into the Greek language. Meshiach is Jesus' title. It's his job, Messiah. And she's not thinking Christos. She's thinking Meshiach when he says the Messiah. I am he. That stuns everybody also. She does not know what to do with anything. And then this business about water that lives and she's confused and he's up here and she's down here and she misses it. All of this is going on. Her life's about to change. Watch this. Clip two. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married. But he wasn't a good man. He hurt you. And it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm I'm here in the middle of the day. I am rejected by others. I know. But not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon, just the heart. <laughs> you promise? I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ. <laughs> Thank you.
Rabbi, we got food. What would you like? Ah, I have food to eat that you do not know about. Who got you food? Wait a minute. You told her? Mm -hmm. And she can tell others? What food? My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. You, you told her who you are? Mm -hmm. So does that mean? It means we're going to stay here a couple of days. It's been a long time of sowing, but the fields are ripe for harvest. And so it's time. Let's go. Yes! <laughs> so I've watched this a dozen times, and my eyes teared up. Jesus' eyes were tearing up when he released that woman. In John chapter 3, Jesus says to a man named Nicodemus, you must be born and then he uses, in the Greek language, a, an adverb, anothen. Born again, or born a second time, and also born from above. It means all of that. That woman just got born anothen. That's what happened to her. Did you notice the artistry? She left the heavy burden of the water pot on the ground and ran, skipped joyfully, all of the brokenness, all of the isolation, all of the left out, all of the nobody will let me in their family, all of that is gone. She has hope. She has been restored. She's been made over again into a brand new person. Who's doing the heavy lifting? Jesus is. He's the one that made her and turns around and makes her over again. Pain, brokenness, a barrier that he crashes through that was created by human beings, Jew, Samaritan. Notice that he said, you think it's an accident that I'm here? He could have taken the way around the people they loathed in the easier to travel Jordan River Valley, but goes straight through. So all of that is trying to get the point over to us that we do our part her part, what was her part in this episode? She just received it. She didn't do much else. She told the truth. And she received this new life from the person that gives water from which we will never thirst for which we will never thirst again. That's what happened to this person. This, this person that writes the Gospel of John, the heavy lifting thing. Oh, there I used one wordplay already. Anothen, it's an adverb. The verb hoopsao means both lifted up and exalted or glorified. When Jesus says, I'm going to be lifted up, he means on the cross. And he says in John's gospel, I'm going to be lifted up and then I'm going to be exalted. The verb means both. In other words, heavy lifting. And when Jesus lifts himself up on the cross in John's gospel, what he's doing is he's lifting not just this physical weight, but all of the brokenness of all humanity before, during, and after all of it, all of our rebellion, all of our sin, all of what we have done that is against anything that would be good for God, all of that on his shoulders, on that cross, hoopsao, 
lifted up physically and nailed and then exalted. He only can be exalted if he gets lifted up first. And the heavy burden is on him. When we talk about real relationship, real transformation, we're talking about my part, which is just sort of like that woman. Just say, okay, I'm in. And then I drop the heavy burden because he's carrying it already anyway. It's what a gift the imagery is in the series because I, one more verse i got to tell you about. Jesus, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 30. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. A yoke would symbolize oppression, even slavery. But he says my yoke is easy and what that word easy means is Kind or loving. I, I'll pronounce it for you in Greek, kreistes. Kind or good or loving. That's what the yoke is that. It's no longer slavery and oppression. It's kindness. It's not overbearing. It's not middle of the day, on my own, hopeless, like that poor woman trudging. My yoke is easy, said, and my burden, cargo, is a great way of thinking about burden. My cargo isn't burdensome. It's light. You do your part. I do my part. We're carried. God the Spirit takes up residence inside us. God is doing the heavy lifting. You don't want to get out of your lane and try to do God's part. You can't make yourself into somebody who God loves. God already loves you the way you are. You just cooperate. We stay close to him. So a disciple, a mathetes of Jesus, is someone who's staying close to him and close to his people. McLean mentioned that earlier, that we're a family. We do it individually. Yes, there's my part, but there's our part. We do it together, and we care for each other, and we hang out, and we encourage each other, and we help each other, and we learn together. That's what is going on in this family. Notice the knuckleheads. Did you catch how knucklehead they were? Now, welcome. <laughs> they had to go off to a Wawa to get lunch because they had nothing, right? So they're coming back. And I mean, some of them, where'd you get the food? <laughs> I heard you laughing. It's just, it's just fantastic. Because see, that's the human condition, isn't it? He's right there in front of us and we don't always get it. And that's okay. Guess what Jesus does with those knuckleheads? He loves them. He loves them. And he never stops loving them. The heavy lifting that God the Spirit did then, God the Spirit is still doing now. It's still the same thing. We have our part. I have my part. You have your part. But Jesus Christ, present to us in the Spirit, he's the one still today, right now, doing the heavy lifting. We're about to experience his presence through these elements here. But here's what I want to leave you with. Before we come to the table, what I want you to do is this. <laughs> not, not, don't get up and do it now. <laughs> but I want you to have the lightness in your step that comes from having thrown off the burden of trying to earn God's love or get it right or quit doing it wrong or whatever the burden is. Release it. And I want to see you dancing down the street. I got to go tell people about it. Don't not talk. Share with somebody who matters to you in life 
right now, sometime in the next week, something that's significant that's going on inside you that has to do with finding a way to release the burden. It may be the very first time you've ever done it. If you've never before said yes to Jesus, now's the time. Throw it off. But maybe, like me, I've been saying yes to Jesus for a bunch of decades, but I still need to throw off the yoke of the heavy burden that I've created for myself. He's crushing those barriers. And here's proof right in front of us. On the night of Jesus' betrayal by his friends, the night he was arrested, they were having a meal. It was a traditional Jewish meal. And there they were gathered together. And he took bread, and he broke the bread, and he said, This bread is my body, broken for you. Heavy lifting. They would have had wine at that meal, probably 1% alcohol content. The water wasn't clean. What else did I learn in Israel? He took the cup afterwards and he said, this cup is my blood. I'm spilling it for you on purpose so that you can be born anothen from above a second time. It's lifting you can't do for yourself. Heavy lifting. But his, his yoke is easy. His cargo is light. Friends, when you eat and drink, what you're doing is saying, yay, I'm letting go of it. I'm running down the road of life, and I want other people to know about what's going on with me. Do that. When we eat this and drink this, we're saying, yay, Jesus. So come forward now. The elders are going to come up and join me. Teenagers and young people are going to come first. They're in the back of the room lined up. This is just an awesome view to see it from where I am. But Monica and Ron are going to join Kathy and me, and we're going to be here at the table.